It is so good to see each and every one of you with big smiles on your face. Hey, we should be really thankful. It's not snowing and the sun shining today. I tell you what, church. Uh, this prayer and fasting started in a preparing our hearts the first few days in January. It's really been a wonderful thing, and it's so good to see each and everybody participating in some way. If you're here for the first time today, there are prayer and fasting guides here. I would encourage you to take one. You can look through, read through, and, and let it bless you the way that God would use it to touch your heart. Still time to participate. And so, as Justin said, tomorrow we begin to think about what we won't say and what we will say. What we won't talk about. You know, if you are into politics, it might be a good time to say, I'm going to give up politics for a week. If you're into sports, it might be a good time to give up talking about sports. I told Justin the Lord had moved on my heart to tell him that on the final week when we were dealing with media during the Super Bowl, he should give up TV. <laughs> which he said, well, the Lord wasn't moving him that way. So he's got a witty response there. But church, the essence of this time of prayer and fasting is to simply talk about the idea that in life there's things that we can give up to draw closer to God, to focus more intensely on prayer, not expecting anything other than the will of God to be made more clear in our lives. And this month really is a focus on the way we see and treat people. I've said again and again that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That was his primary mission, to live his life in a way that others would come to know his heavenly Father and find salvation in this life and the life to come, but hope and happiness and joy in this life that we live that can be so chaotic and hurtful. This life is a struggle. We know that this life is a struggle. And through the prayer and fasting time, you've been asking God, what would you have me not say? What would you have me speak of? Our hearts need to be sincere if we really want to see what God is showing us, wants to reveal to us our hearts need to be pure. Now, our hearts are only pure because God has given us a new heart. And our hearts are only pure because the Holy Spirit lives in us as believers. And as believers, the Holy Spirit guides us, the Holy Spirit counsels us, the Holy Spirit directs us, the Holy Spirit speaks to our spirit, convicting us. And so we want to be listening. And so we ask the Lord to create in us a pure heart. To give us the ability through His Spirit to be steadfast. To give us in our inner spirits a willing spirit. God is such a good and kind and gracious and loving Father. 
And so to give up something for God shouldn't be hard, but should be a joy in our lives. The things that people give up are different. And uh, something that you might give up would not be hard for me to give up. As I told you, mine was ketchup. So today, as we celebrate and feast, I can have ketchup. It was so funny, uh, Tim Roberts, he gave up meat, all meat. So I've been texting him steaming T-bone steaks all week. You know, I want to come alongside him and support him. Uh, one of our members, uh, he gave up, he drinks two pots of coffee a day and two gallons of milk a week. And he gave it up. Now his wife said he's not been the happiest person to live with. So sending him a picture of a steaming cup of coffee did my heart really good. But we're having fun in this. It's serious in what we're giving up. But as a community of believers, we can have fun. We can celebrate God's goodness. This morning, we're going to look at just a brief passage of Scripture from Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. It's where Hosea says to the people of Israel as he speaks for God, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. You know what's interesting about Hosea? He was the last prophet before the kingdom of Israel fell to Assyria. God loved Israel. They were his chosen people. And God had warned them again and again to love him as he loved them. To forgive one another and be kind and gracious to one another. Because God was a compassionate, kind and gracious God. And in doing so, he would call Hosea to marry a harlot. To show just how much God loves the nation of Israel who has behaved in such disobedience that the nation of Israel, God's bride, in many ways had prostituted itself. And so as you look through the book of Hosea, you see themes like you are worshiping things made of wood and stone. You are worshiping creatures not God. You aren't faithful to your spouse. You're cheating on your spouse. You're not faithful. You're unkind to people. You show no mercy. You have no compassion. You are all about yourself. And yet, like in Isaiah 58... You say to the prophets and me, well, we're fasting, we're sacrificing, we're honoring the time and the place and the sacrifice, we're giving our burnt offerings, what are you talking about? And this is where Hosea, speaking for God, says to the people of Israel, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Yes, God commanded sacrifice. God commanded burnt offering from His people. 
especially as they would see those sacrifices as God removing their sin. But they missed. They missed the change of heart that God was looking for. God desires mercy over the sacrifices that he had commanded. If you're going to fail at one, God would say to the people of Israel through Hosea the prophet, fail at the burnt offerings. Not at being kind and loving and gracious and compassionate and merciful to people. God is a merciful God and He calls His people to be merciful at all times. And that's why Jesus later on would say, if someone slaps you in the face, don't retaliate, don't strike back, don't curse them, turn to them the other cheek. God is calling us to be like Him. And it is possible through the power of the Spirit that lives in us. Someone cuts you off in traffic. Don't give them the finger. Don't roll down the window and have a verbal battle. Don't try to run them off the road. Just ask God to keep you protected and to help them because something is going on in their life. My daughter was telling me last night that down in Kalamazoo, she went to her gym and there was this young man, he was jumping jump rope and then he'd go over to the weights and then he would do something on the treadmill and he left his uh, jump rope a little bit in the way of the walk path. And this older guy, first time he came by him, he, he kicked it. And the guy repeated his circuit and threw it back down. And I don't think he was aware of what had even happened. The next time around, the guy picked it up and slung it across the gym. And as she was leaving, there was a verbal battle between this older guy and the individual because of... Really? Have we lost focus so much? You go out to a restaurant and they don't get your order just like you would like it. Maybe it's close. Or they're not refilling your drink fast enough. And you've got to make a scene. You're not filling my drink fast enough. I'm not going to tip you anything because you didn't get my drink filled up fast enough or you go to a coffee house, and this one's me. It's a coffee house. There's supposed to be coffee. The tanks are supposed to be full. It's been a year and a half, and you walk back in, and it's empty again. Like, oh, Lord, help me. We're just so often not kind and gracious. And I believe the Scriptures teach us that there is never a time not to be kind and gracious. And if that fits you, and if that fits you most of the time, that's not good. 
Some people, they say, grow old and bitter. I had a professor once tell me, Mac Lynn, really all that's happened is they just grow old. They've always been bitter. That is not the impact that Christ wants to have in your life and your heart and mind. He wants you to love God so much that you are able to allow Him to change you. To change you. To change you in a way that you don't worship anything that's not God alone. If it's not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I say that all the time because I want you to know I'm talking about the God of Judeo-Christian Scripture. Not just any God out there. The God. The one and only God. Because there is no other God. He wants to be worshipped by you. And worship of Him means becoming through His power what He wants you to be. And if at some point down the road... The anger, the hatefulness, the narcissism, it's all about me, has not changed, then you need to question your walk in the Spirit. Because the fruits of the Spirit are birthed into us by the Holy Spirit living in us. And so for the people of Israel... As much as God loved them and as much as God would forgive them, but as much as God was going to punish them and discipline them by putting them off into captivity, God cries out to the children that He loves, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Your religion is shallow. It is superficial. He even says, your love for me is like the morning mist. Oh, it's not completely gone. It's there like the mist in the morning, but as the sun comes up and the day gets underway, it just evaporates away. Is that the kind of love that God wants from us? No. Is that the kind of love that we have for God? I hope not. I hope our love is one that is an obedient love to the Father. One that goes deep. Now, the reason that we can say this text has a lot to do also with the way God wants us to treat people is because Jesus uses this same text in relationship to the way people were treating people and viewing them. And that's what we'll look at here real quick from Matthew chapter 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Now, in our prayer and fasting guide, one of the main texts that we are looking at each and every day, sort of that sunrise text, is Luke chapter 5, where friends bring in this man that's a paralytic on a mat, and they lower him through the roof into the presence of Jesus. Well, this story of Luke is also found in Matthew 9, right before the text. 
And then on the other side of this text, Jesus talks about prayer and fasting. Just thought that was really unique. So we have the story of Luke 5 in Matthew 9 right before we have Jesus calling Matthew to follow him. Matthew's a tax collector. We all know that tax collectors are not high in people loving them. They would abuse people, collect revenue, sometimes unfair amounts, so that they could use it for their own life. And so tax collectors, sinners, they were all in the same category as no good, not deserving of a relationship with God. They were just wicked and evil people. But Jesus sees Matthew sitting there and says, follow me. What is interesting to me in the Luke 5 and parallel Matthew 9 story of the paralytic is these friends carry this man on his bed trying to get him into the presence of Jesus. Remember that. Here, and it's a different way, Jesus sees a man, Matthew, and he ends up going to Matthew's house and brings Matthew into the presence of God. It seems like wherever you read about Jesus... He was never just out walking without a purpose. He was walking and looking for people. And it didn't matter if it was Mary of Bethany who just sat at his feet and just loved him and in our eyes was just pure and godly as could be, or if it was a Mary Magdalene. Jesus was concerned about all people. And I think as we work through this and as we are asking God, show us or show me the way uniquely in my life that I can be used by you to get others into your presence, that we look, that we see how important it really was to Jesus and that he did it himself. He did it himself. One of the things that I keep saying, God, what are you asking me to say to people? And it's different for all of us as we hear from God, but it's like, Lord, I'm not hearing anything. What do you want me, Patrick, to say to people? And in essence, what God is putting on my heart for me is there are so many people that are hurting. And they are hurting because they are not loving God and being obedient to the Lord. And so they have all these things in their lives that hurt them. Patrick, somehow word it through my spirit. I'll give it to you when it's appropriate. Tell them that Jesus can change their life and take this pain away. Jesus is who we want to get people to. Jesus is the one that forgives sins and brings healing. That's what he's giving to me. Jesus can change your situation. They may say, I don't want to hear it. That's fine. That's not, it don't hurt my feelings. It don't make me mad. It, sh- it should make us 
more compassionate and sad. People so upset that they're taking their lives. People so upset they have no self-esteem. People so upset they're not happy. They have no direction. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. Jesus can change it. I know that's a fact. Jesus can change your situation. No book's going to change your situation. But meeting Jesus through the Word of God will change your situation. There's nobody, no person that can change your situation. They can point you to the one that can. That's all they do. Matthew followed Jesus, and we pick up while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. Now, you know as well as I do, a lot of great things happen with people around the table of food. You're relaxed. You're enjoying food. There's fellowship. And you can have some great conversation. And people know that you care. I once heard someone say, I don't remember who it was, like, we're not going to change the world if we won't just sit down and have a cup of coffee with somebody. First a friend, then a brother. Jesus is sitting at Matthew's house. Who invited who? Whether Jesus said, I'm going to your house. Whether Matthew said, come to my house. I imagine Matthew was quite surprised that Jesus was having anything to do with him. And it brought many tax collectors and sinners. They came and they ate with him and his disciples. That's our setting. Now, religious people. Religious people always fell in the scriptures. They fell because their religion is superficial. Religious people are shallow people. And for the most part, empty. It's a fact. You never ever see in Scripture someone who loves the Lord deeply having these hateful thoughts about a situation that's going on with Jesus. But you see it all the time with the Pharisees and that religious leadership. They were self-centered, worried about his power, worried about his authority, worried about what he's doing. The people are going to follow him because it's all about them. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why did your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why do you have association with these kinds of people? If he's a rabbi, if he's from God, why would he associate with them? Probably one of the greatest things that can take place in your life is when you are so humble and emptied of yourself, that you don't care if it's a homeless person or a rich person, a poor person 
a person that just doesn't speak your lingo, it don't matter. It may be harder for you to connect with certain groups of people. We, we all know that. There's, there's people I'll never reach that you'll be able to reach and vice versa. But you never stand back and go, oh my goodness, did you see who they brought to church? Did you see the way they were dressed? Did you smell them? Can you believe he's banging that cymbal? My Lord, that bird won't quit squawking. It's not about us, ever. It is about him. And unkind words, unfortunately, can break those who are just at that breaking point. And may we never be part of unkind words. May we be a part of words that encourage and build each other up, speaking life and kindness and giving people hope. Jesus gave people hope. You're his disciple. Go out and give people hope. Yeah, that doesn't mean you don't have a hard conversation when the time is right, but don't try to change a person by your wit and your knowledge. Don't do it that way. Speak the word of God. You're not in control. You can't change anybody. So be careful what you say. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Now, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Spiritually, they're sick. Spiritually, they're lost. And he came to seek those people out. And he would leave the 99... To go rescue the one. Now the fact is, in this context, the Pharisees, they don't know they're spiritually sick. But they are spiritually sick. And when the Redeemer comes into your life and cleanses you and makes you whole and blots out your transgressions and forgives you your sin and iniquity you know that you have been healed by His power. And it changes who you are. So that you never look at people with a haughty, prideful, arrogant spirit. Ever. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. And here Jesus quotes Hosea 6, 6. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus came to call sinners. Have we got that? Yes, I hope we have. The only righteousness you and I have is because of His cleansing blood in our lives and He's imputed it into our beings through His Spirit. Because before we knew Christ, there was 
we were sinners. There's not one that's not sinned. We're all sinners. We're all doomed. Jesus wants people to treat people with mercy. Who in your life, in your place, in your family, that just drives you nuts, gets under your skin, someone that you just like, if you're honest, like, God, I'll do it, but I want you to know I don't like them. You got to help me to like them, but I don't like them, Lord. About 15 years ago in my ministry, God sort of gave me this spiritual truth that's always stuck with me. You know how devoted a person is to Christ by the way they treat you when you know they don't like you. And it's true about us. You know how devoted you are to Christ by the way you treat people. When you know it's like, I just, you know, I don't like them. Are you merciful? Who can you show mercy to? How can God use you? How can God use you to get a sinner into his presence so that he can change that person and that you can stand back and see remarkable things happen. This idea of desire and and sacrifice is just in different ways throughout all of Scripture. 1 Samuel 15 But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. This is where he is dealing with Saul. And he has given King Saul, his king that he's chosen and blessed and raised up, to do something for him and to do it exactly as he's asked. And Saul chooses to do it his own way. And out of that, God says, I desire obedience above the sacrifice. Listen one more time to the context of these very words. To love Him, God, with all of your heart and with all of your understanding and with all of your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. See, a person can give sacrifices. I can give up ketchup. You can give up coffee. Someone else can give up meat. Someone else can, I won't eat for three days. And it's a shallow thing if that's all that you've done and your heart's not been changed. After King David was confronted by Nathan the prophet for what he had done to Uriah and with Bathsheba. He had committed adultery with Bathsheba and he had Uriah killed to hide it. And far as we can tell from Scripture... David just was going on and living life and not realizing the sin that he had committed. David, 
that young man, that shepherd that God had empowered to kill the lion and the bear with his bare hand to protect the sheep who God raised up and made king did something so wicked. And David, the man after God's own heart in Scripture, didn't even realize in the moment that to take another man's wife was wrong and to have that man killed to cover up the pregnancy was double wrong. Now, it doesn't get much darker than that. Nathan comes to him. Nathan tells him a story. He says, let me tell you something. There was one man who had just one little lamb. He just loved it. It was precious. He took care of it, devoted, faithful to that little lamb. And there's another man who had just flocks and herds, but that man stole this man's lamb. And it says, David burned with anger and said, let me know who that man is. Surely he must die. And then the moment of truth, Nathan says to David, you're the man. That would be a very unpleasant place to be. You're the man. You've allowed your heart to wander from your God. And the things of God that you know between right and wrong, you know them, David. You've become callous. And you strayed. Now there's a lot of different sins that we throw in there. It doesn't really necessarily matter the sin. But the point is, David had to look at his heart. And maybe today, maybe you need to let God check your heart in the way that you're treating other people. David wrote this in relationship to what Nathan had shown him. I want you to listen to the opening verses and then the last couple of verses will end with this very thing. I desire mercy, not burnt offerings. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me and all of my iniquity away and cleanse me from sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and only you have I sinned. Now the point there is you sinned against Uriah too and Bathsheba. But when it really comes down to it, it is God that you have offended. And done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was Sinful at birth. Sinful from the time of my mother's conception. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let my bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide not your face from me. Please blot out my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. 
Because when you do that, God, this is what's going to happen. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. And sinners will turn back to you because of what I say to them. And the way I say it to them. And the heart that I have for them. Save me from blood guilt. Let me have no blood on my hands in relationship to other people, O God, the God who saves me. And my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Now listen, O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. Oh, as we start tomorrow's fast from what we don't say and what we will say let us have his song on our lips let us have his praise on our mouths and then he says as he concludes you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it you do not take pleasure in burnt offerings the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Would you bow your heads and please pray with me? Father, our month of prayer and fasting as we draw near to you, we just truly ask that you will reveal to us as individual believers, Christians, Lord, what we need to do and where we need to change. And Father, let your spirit have more freedom in our lives, that we would listen to your Holy Spirit as we are convicted in what we are saying that's wrong and hurtful and give us the words that are right, good, and from you. Oh, God, let us look at our sin, the sin that's been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, but let us at least look at it and confess it to you and repent of it. So that we, Father, in turn, will say those things that are good, kind, and right. And may others, Lord, that need to know your Son, Jesus Christ, and his salvation, find salvation through the way that you use us. Lord, if there's anyone here today that feels like they have no value, they are not important, they feel empty, please let them reach out to us because, Father, this is the perfect place for them because all of what we are is only because of you. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we sing about the love of God? We have prayer teams throughout the building. You will see them standing if you need prayer. Prayer with something you're struggling with, something you need to give up, whatever it might be today. Prayer to just embrace this fast in some way. For God to show you something, go to them and let them partner with you as you both cry out to the Lord. Let us sing. Amen.